Hello, friends, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Board Game Interview Room. As you know, this is a podcast in which I, Paco Garcia, is lucky enough of getting together with people from the board game world who are either creating, have created, are going to create, or are in the process of launching some board game or another. The guest I have with me tonight is far, far from being new to the podcast, and uh, I keep on having him back because he keeps coming up with some really, really cool games. Of course, I am talking about Elad Goldstein from Golden Egg Games. Elad, welcome back, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure because, um, quite frankly, it's always a pleasure to take a look at the kind of stuff that you are doing and on how well the company is is doing right now. You, you guys are increasing your portfolio of games quite rapidly and uh, doing an awful lot of very different stuff. Yeah. How is it going? Well, it's it's very exciting. We are. I'm an. I told you in before. I'm an open-minded uh, board gamer mm-hmm. on myself. So I like to experiment many different games, and I judge them by the book, um, not by the cover. So if it's a good game. It's on our portfolio. It's no matter if it's uh, from a two-player miniature um, tactical game to uh, you know a deep economical strategic game to a full civilization 4x game. I have I love I love games. So everything that looks good, it will be in our portfolio that's for sure it's it's interesting that you say that because it seems to me that there is a very different trend between small companies and big companies in which small companies you guys tend to go for what you like regardless of whether you think it's going to sell a huge amount or not if you think it's a good game you go for it and publish it where bigger companies tend to think more about how much profitability am I going to get out of this how many games am I going to sell. Do you think that plays to, to your advantage, to the small company's advantage? Um, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, I totally get from, you know, when you have a big company, you have actually marketing guys and stuff like that that can evaluate games based on their market value, which in our case, we don't have that resources, but we do... I think we do we do know more about our games better than those executives in the bigger companies and and I, I think that we are more um, we, we have less to risk maybe or I, I don't know if it's less because we have we put everything on the line uh, in each game at least us so in golden games every game we we are fully committed so we do have we have we have one hundred percent risk, but uh, you know and we try to do our best. We, we we try to get the best game, and and it's not uh, we are not trying to measure um, trends in the market or stuff like that. So we I don't know if it, <laughs> I don't know frankly I don't know if it's working for us or against us because I would love to have some you know marketing research team that can tell me what's trends right now and maybe my game is totally off right now and maybe we are doing a terrible mistake but 
I don't know. Uh, we need to we need to see how it's come. As of, as of now, we are doing great. So hmm. kind of, you you don't seem to be making any mistakes. I mean, I, I Atlas duel duel for Divinity like that came on Kickstarter. I, I did yeah. the unboxing video, and I know my friends are playing the game and still need to need to do the review, and they are absolutely <laughs> loving it. They they really are liking it, and you went. Full whack in in the art direction and the sculpting of, of the minis for the game, because they are very different. They are very very good, and the whole thing looks absolutely gorgeous and, and plays very well indeed. But it was a very high production value that you went for in that game. Yeah, it it, it was. Uh, I think it it will stay <laughs> the best qual- uh, the best game that we ever produced because in production standpoint because we took everything uh, research everything. So when I started to do in miniatures, we started to research about it and we took the best sculpture. We took you know into consideration each proportion, how it fit, how it weighs how it can get inside the small box that we want uh, we just did I think the best job we can do on that game and, and we learned a lot in that process about how to make the game better mm-hmm. for the um, players this is what all, all, all of our intent so every token is counted for is it crucial for the game and makes the player um, make the game easier to adapt to the player so it's good to hear that people like the game and I know it's catching up uh, slowly but people have good very good reports and we get a lot of good feedback uh, especially when we we had a nice cool tournament in Gen Con uh, two weeks ago I think and it was over the top you know people come up with cool strategies and stuff like that actually trained for the tournament and it was a lot of fun so yeah it's, it's, a, it's a very very interesting game are you going to release uh, some some sort of expansions with uh, new athelians or uh, new cards for the game or are you are you parking it for the time being um, for now the only thing that we can right now say that for sure that we are planning to do we produced um, it's it's all, all thanks to the Kickstarter basically we produced the other five um, Genos mm-hmm. so we have all nine Genos miniatures right now so we are considering producing um, a good a, a, a nice set of miniatures like small packs like packed in 10 so we can either just buy them for their good value or just for playing more Atlas because it's nicer to have more miniatures and they are also I can tell you that we tested this also uh, recently you can uh, make from them a nice a really nice chess piece you know um, uh, chess set fantasy chess set which looks amazing when we I will definitely share some pictures on on Facebook and stuff, but it looks amazing on the chessboard also. So 
that sounds pretty cool. And also, you got it really right. Again, this is something that uh, the, the, this has been played an awful lot in, in my gaming group at the moment. Uh, City Council really worked very, very well. Um, and I have enjoyed an awful lot seeing how people go into negotiating arguments around the table um, in order to be able to create the cities and, and basically just barge themselves into uh, ruling the whole thing. And that is a very different, this is a really different experience from Atlas. They're really, they're very, well, yeah, they're completely different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, City Council, it's, it, it's my own design. And when I designed it, I want... I wanted to do something different and it's, it is different than any other game. I, I know from my colleagues that uh, told me that I'm kind of going off way, but I just thought about the theme about every, every game has like you build your own little city and add styles and, and such. But I thought about making the game more interactive because I think this is one of the main goals in, in every game to get interacted because um, I, I, I am back from, you know, uh, strategy games from the PC, uh, you know, the uh, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Then you are just sitting against your trying to get the AI of the, your PC and try to beat it. And it's kind of boring after one or twice. But when you are bringing your own board game into your gaming group or other gaming group and interact with people in a higher level with negotiation and and, uh, and trying to persuade others to do your way. Just for me, it's more fun and I'm happy to say that more and more players uh, have open-minded and, and accepted the game as it is because it's not it's not a usual city building game. So uh, yeah, it, it works really well and now we can see more of it because we just released uh, in essence we have a formal release but we have a a new expansion for City Council which is the disaster deck which makes it uh, (laughs) for a fully co-op we took like in SimCity all of those disasters Mm -hmm. and the group will try to overcome that because it's hard to keep pushing the city running while you know earthquakes or alien invasion or stuff like that happen so uh, it's more fun uh, if you don't like to compete or to manipulate or, or your board uh, to do you know too much negotiation with your friends so it's more light on form of the game that sounds pretty cool I, I like the sound of that a lot <laughs> I think that would be yeah that would be a massive success and of course you are um, once again you're gonna release something new at, uh, at, at Spiel and it's something that you are right now uh, funding in, in Kickstarter you have a uh, prime time the broadcasting tycoons yeah yeah Tell yeah, is, yeah we we just uh, got funded in i think less than 36 hours which was great because mm. uh, i think it was the fastest game we had funding uh, funded so fast and um, yeah it's uh, it's my own design again uh, it's uh, again totally different kind of game um, it's a two, two to four um, I don't know what to call it it's an economical simulation Euro style infused uh, and you have 
um, a really cool theme about it. When when I design games, I basically design them based on the theme, and then I put the other stuff on it. You know, try to mix and match mechanics that fits that theme and fits the overall, and and not to break it up. So the theme is you are running your own TV network, and you are competing against other TV networks on prime time. Uh, and you're trying to get uh, get your best shows and and hire more talents like writers, producers, stuff like that, and had a combination of them, uh, in, in, you know, facing other guys uh, on the demographic cubes, which represents you know your common demographics uh, features. And when you are competing on them and getting more of them, you will gain more money out of ads and this is how you win the game you just get more money you have many more mini um, set goals it's a very positive game that you can gain yeah, some people will call it point salad but it's not it's very thematical um, approach of uh, getting points but you can win the game by running the best network actually so and it is a fairly simple game to play. I mean, it, the, the the video in in the Kickstarter and listeners, I, I urge you to to take a look at the video because it really feels like a very light game from the point of view of the amount of, of turns and, and the rules there are. Uh, tell me a little bit, uh, just for the listeners, how how does it play? Yeah, uh, well, it's 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 simple. It's a simple game, basically, but everybody that played it understand how deep they need to get into the game and to understand. Um, they, 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 it, it makes you, like in City Council, it makes you be a council member mm-hmm. to try to persuade out. This is, you, you will turn out to be an, a good executive after you play the game because you need to do really hard decision during the game. Everything is uh, very uh, cutthroat or, I don't know, better word, uh, you know, everything is critical for your success, so you need to do well. So the game is basically runs for six rounds, which are divided into two seasons. Each round will represent basically one one week of uh, weekdays uh, shows, mm-hmm. and uh, what you, uh, each round will divide it into four major um, phases, which are the development phase, in which you have only three actions to do. You have three action markers. You can bid, try to get new shows or new talents on your TV guide. Mm-hmm. You can broadcast. This is the main uh, phase where you are trying to. Put the new shows on your TV guide and then compete. They call it rating wars. You try to compete on those uh, demographic, which is kind of an area control thing running on. And then you will have, uh, in some cases, you have uh, an award show at the end of each season, which is on round three and six. You have an award ceremony when where you score points, basically, based on goals that your boardroom members will get you, or general goals like the best show or the hottest shows. And then you will just clean up the board, put new cards in the bidding spaces, and move on. The game flows smoothly, and the rules are not super complicated. You have some... Uh, you know, rules to keep the game uh, flowing, uh, you know, streamlined, but 
you just have three actions and then you need to submit your TV guides and from them it's almost autopilot. So, yeah, it's a pretty simple game, but it, it has more depth. It's not the lightest game you can find. It's, I rank it, it's medium, medium heavy. It's not, it's not even medium. And tell me a little bit about where the inspiration came from, because for what I can see, um, it, it really feels very much like you're trying to simulate what it would be like to, to actually have your own television station and, and compete for those ratings. How, how do you come about the idea? Yeah, um, the thing is... Uh, it's a repeating thing about my own designer. I, I, I'm really inspired from PC games. And there was, I think, on early 90, I think it's 91. It, it had the game Mad TV. No, no many players, uh, no, no many people like those games because, uh, you know, um, economical strategy games on PC wasn't wasn't so popular so popular then and I think it's nothing right now so uh, this is this was my inspiration uh, for the game but I took it uh, for another level you know I took uh, I did a research about how to run uh, out how people do ratings and how demographics are divided and how uh, commercial ads and clients are uh, getting their money. So we did a lot of, uh, it took me almost seven years to put this game uh, intact, but we did, uh, it, it was a long process, but you know, it's on and off project. It's not like I, I sat down seven years and write everything, but we did a lot of research about uh, TV shows, movies, and uh, I, I really uh, digged a lot stuff to put it on this game. So it will be a cool thematic TV theme show. Uh, what kind of playtesting have you gone through for, for this game? Oh, uh, it was... Because it, it's a long game, it's a long project, sorry. Uh, we had so many stages uh, of prototypes, but the only core mechanic that I used from the beginning was the rating wall. The, the fact that you will try to seize those demographic and put them on your cards and get money for that. The, the, that main mechanic was, I think, for the four, the last four years was playtested over and over and over and over again. The, the, the thing that changed was the bidding and the length of the game because it was a lengthy game and we tried to cut it down as much as we could without you know, interfering the, the core mechanics and give the players a, um, a good chunk of time to, to have fun with it, but it's so it won't be uh, too long and too overbearing because I can tell you that your brain will, your, your battery, if you may, uh, your battery in your brain will start uh, sending you messages after, after this game that it's on low battery right now. So... Um, in terms of uh, the production, um, it, it feels like it's a very tight um, schedule you're following here. Um, having the, the Kickstarter now and, and, a, and a spiel uh, release, how are you going to manage that? 
well, we did it the last two years. So <laughs> this is actually less tight than what we did with Atlas. Atlas is a crazy production. Mm. We did the same. We funded, uh, I think, uh, two weeks uh, earlier, but you know the production there is over the top. You have 16 more four miniatures mm. and more components than any of our games. It was. And we we had three different manufacturers that we need to combine the same, and we did it. So I'm pretty confident about this game. It's nothing that nothing out of the ordinary for us. We did it with City Council. City Council was ended funding one day after Spiel, and we had some copies there. So we did it. the year before also with Fallen City of Carez. We didn't get much copies, but we did get like a sufficient amount to demo the game and, and showcase the game. But this year we will have a small amount, but but with good quality and, and we will get them on, a, on time. That's for sure. I presume that means also that as soon as Spiel is over, or maybe even during, you guys are going to be sending things to international backers. When when are people who cannot make it to, to Spiel, uh, when will they be getting their copies of the game? Oh, oh, this is very different because this is a worldwide um, distribution I think uh, the main, um, the German, the German and the EU, uh, European Union uh, backers will get them pretty much. I think almost one month past spill, which is November, mm-hmm. which we we did it the same with City Council and Atlas. So we are pretty confident that we can provide that in in, in timely fashion. And the U.S. we are projected in December, which is the toughest month of the year there because we have custom checks and and uh, stuff uh, that doesn't work really well during Christmas and the week before and the week after. So we are projecting about January, which would, which what we scheduled on on, on our, and posted on the Kickstarter. And the fact is that I think uh, also we have a new new distributor that will distribute directly to the uh, Australia and New Zealand. It's called Etherworks. They will get the copies even faster. I think guys there will get it before December, also November maybe. So, and and I was one one thing that I was going to remark on, which I think is absolutely fantastic, and other Kickstarter projects should definitely take make make note of this, is that your shipping costs are absolutely amazing, really really low, absolutely fantastic, with EU um, countries only having to pay five um, five dollars. Canada and Australia, which usually is extremely expensive to send to, especially Australia, they only have to pay $9, and New Zealand is 15 Yeah. Which, compared to other projects I've seen, where you have to pay $20, $30, $40 just to send to the other side of, of the Atlantic, this is amazing. Yeah. How have you managed that? Well, first of all, this is a very important thing for me to pull off, because I'm living uh, most of the time in Israel and we pay a lot of taxes and shipping for each game so every game here is very expensive 
And even if you are doing well, you know, in your life, it's very hard to get more games. And you do like more games. You know, everybody likes more games in the collection. So it is a personal issue with me and I wanted to solve it. And then I, I did another research, which I always do in about everything that I do. And I found out uh, Canadian partners that do tremendous jobs over uh, the Canada. We have, there are many distributors there, but those are just helping us to um, export mm-hmm. our games. They pull them from New York to Canada and then they will send it locally which makes everything uh, simpler, easier, cheaper and the beggars don't have to to have we, we had a lot of issues with uh, Canadian customs and Australian customs some copies of we shipped to Australia just disappeared it's not just the price we paid sometimes $90 to ship three times the same copy because every time it got lost and we just we we heartbroken because we don't we, we do like those beggars to have our games so we did a lot of research and we came up with good partners uh, that will carry our games and ship it locally and I do urge every Kickstarter project owner or publisher or everybody it's the right thing to do get those copies to those local distributors and ship them locally it will do tremendous job for the local markets and I think that the, you know somebody in New Zealand right now just paying $15 is like is like is in heaven right now and I, I do think it's it's very 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 crucial for any success and and then those markets are growing markets and we need to support them so it's it's very important to me to, to achieve that agreed definitely definitely agreed on that one and also you're keeping the Kickstarter campaign very simple you only have two pledge levels $45 for people who need it to be sent $45 for people who need the game or want to collect it in Spiel. Yes. No fancy stretch um, kind of pledge levels. Uh, all the stretch goals are just to do with adding new material to add more replayability and more playability to the game. You're keeping things this time really simple. Yeah, I, I always try to do it. Also in Atlas we have only three or four, you know, fun... Um, levels that you can pledge and to be frank kickstarter made it simpler because now i don't need to split this is for europe this is for canada this is for australia this is for the us kickstarter did it by themselves make it more simpler but i uh, for my experience i don't it's it's too too much to you know keep it simple it, it's better for me as a publisher and it's it's much better for the um, you know the the, the backer. They don't have to think. Wait, I need to put fifteen dollars to get that miniature, or eight dollars to go this because I can't buy them after, or they don't have money right now. It's very simple. Uh, in that note, we had a lot of backers that asking for you know instead of the cubes to have produce meeples, mm-hmm. you know demo meeples, or I don't know how to demographic meeples. 
if we get a lot of funding, then we might consider to have that as an add-on because we don't believe it will be a good fit for the retail box because it, it's it's only for the fans. Mm. We can appreciate it because otherwise, you know, your gamers or any gamer by, by himself will, will, will find them less playable than the simple cubes. The simple cubes works good, but you know, some beggars want more fluff, more, more innovation. So we might do them, but it also will be a fit because doing those small meeples with definition, it's super hard. Yeah. The other solution, it might be um, to do like uh, uh, labels, mm -hmm. stickers, yep. but they are so small, they are eight millimeters, so I don't know if it, it would matter, but, and I don't think that everybody will maybe thank me after they need to stick <laughs> 55, 55 <laughs> cubes, small cubes there. <laughs> they will need a sweatshop to do that so well, I don't know I think it would be very very well worth it uh, Elad thank you very much indeed for, for being with me tonight Primetime is is sounding really really interesting um, I'm really glad that this is already funded and, and doing very well listeners still you have 17 days to go at the time of recording this podcast and I'm going to make sure that this is going out as soon as possible to, to give everybody a chance uh, to take a look at it um, Elad one last question before we go um, if people are interested in finding out more about the game have you you got already a board game geek page for this game are there the rules there somewhere where people can yeah. and take a look at them yeah we actually hold off the kickstarter for five days to get the rules <laughs> on on the bgg page uh yeah you have uh, you just click prime time you will find it very easily and you can go for facebook we have prime time page and on golden and golden Age games you will find prime time on the first page link so even if you just google it right now we just hit a really good strive it's uh, i think number four on google so we're getting there and and of course all those links are going to be in the show notes so um listeners please do take a look at them uh because i think this is going to be very well worth it so um El, congratulations on the funding of of the game and uh, thank you very much for being with me here and i'll see you at spiel Thank you for having me, and definitely we will see me at Spiel. It will be we have fun there. So.